Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Jesus is the great I am. And um, I'm very excited and yet really sobered up as I ask all of you to turn to John chapter 8. Today is, um, is a wonderful, I believe, and yet sober message for all of us. You know, the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. And um, we're about to read a story that is 2,000 years old, and yet, when you look at what's going on right now, on the American landscape, um, I think that you could match it almost exactly to what's happening today. And, uh, and the Bible, you need to know the word of God speaks to all of our lives at every level. And sometimes I wish that as we take in what the world is saying, as we take in the news, I wish we could have it split screen. My iPad has a split screen capacity. I could put two different things at the same time. I wish that we could listen to the news and listen to what's going on in this world with a split screen and have the word of God right next to it. How many know we need the word of God influencing and guiding and shaping how we view this life. And here's the truth. We're living in a world that loves to dig up dirt on people. We're living in a world that loves to expose people, judge people, criticize people, and to shame people. Our media has become the new judge and jury of all things. Inquiring minds want to know. And inquiring minds are justified and glorified and magnified. This world loves to judge, but it hates to be judged. The minute you start saying something is wrong, people go, well, you're such a hater, right? That's the world that we're living in. Part of the reason why we have the exalted Christ, the book of John, Part of the reason why there's seven I am's and seven signs is so that we could have the opportunity to think right thoughts about God. A lot of people have a lot of wrong thoughts about God. They say a lot of wrong things about God. They've never taken the time to study what God, God's word says. They don't really take a deep, in-depth search of what the word of God and the life of Christ was really like, but they just pontificate and they say all of these crazy things and they don't even have a clue. I'll never forget, I was talking to a guy in a counseling session. He had a number of degrees. He was saying all of these things about religion. And I was like, where in the world did you get that? That's not historically true. It's not biblically accurate. It's crazy, but people say all kinds of things because they believe all kinds of things. You see? And so here's what we're going to do today. We're going to learn about Jesus. And Jesus is going to teach us something very, very important as we juxtapose it against what's happening in our culture and society today. Here's what Jesus is going to teach us today before we read. He's going to teach us that the world loves to dig up dirt, but Jesus came to wash our dirt. How many are thankful that Jesus came to wash our dirt? He's, we're going to learn from the word of God that while the world loves to judge... And this is the title of the message today. Jesus is a different kind of judge. 
Everyone say that with me. He's a different kind of judge. That's what we're going to learn from the word of God is that Jesus doesn't judge things the way the world judges things. And we need to be able to discern the difference between what God says and what the world says. And we, need, we should guide and shape our lives on the basis of what our king of glory says. How many know Jesus is smarter? How many know Jesus is wiser? Jesus is the king of glory and his word is true. But here's what we're going to learn today. He's a different kind of judge. So I want to pray that God will open our hearts, open our minds, open our ears. And here, here's what I want to pray. This is very important. Number one, I want to pray that God will give us a biblical filter as we're listening and taking things in. You see? That we will filter things according to his truth and according to his word. In the previous passage, Jesus said, make right judgments. Judge correctly. Okay? We want to, I want to pray that God would teach us to judge things correctly. Secondly, I also want to pray that at the end of this meeting, we wouldn't let the world and the devil judge us and condemn us. Because our judge is a different kind of judge. I'm going to say amen. So let's, let's uh, jump right into it. This is John chapter 8. At the dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all of the people gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery uh, they made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Now let me stop there. I want to point out that they didn't bring the man. Okay? They didn't bring the man and this was a setup. This was a sham. Okay? Because they only brought the woman but they didn't bring the man. And let me tell you, there is a rule of making decisions and judgments. Proverb, I can't tell you the address, but I'm going to tell you, I have used this proverb since the beginning of minutes, since I first started in the ministry. The Bible says the first to present a case seems right until another comes and questions him. Okay. And we need to know that there's always two sides to every story and we need to halt our decisions and halt our judgments until we know the other side. The world tries to kind of brainwash us with one side, but how many know there's two sides to every story? Can I get an amen? There's two sides to every story story. And if you happen to find yourself on the side of this woman, you would hope that someone would look at your life and say, wait a second, where's the guy? You see, don't judge. Don't be like the media. They just say one thing. They jump on it. Nobody knows. They're judge and jury. That's not the way to judge. Not as a believer. It says in the law of Moses, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. Okay, this is what you call, call a holy pause. Imagine the Lord just bent down. They're talking and he just bent down because he wanted them to really hear it. Sometimes we need to hear ourselves. Sometimes we need to hear what's being said. 
And it says, when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. How many know he's a different kind of judge? You see? Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first. Because the older ones know what's up. They've been around long enough to know, hey, I've got plenty of junk in my life. How many know we all have junk in our lives? It says, uh, uh, only Jesus... Uh, until the older ones first, until only Jesus was left. With the woman still standing there, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. And Jesus declared, Go now and leave your life of sin. He's a different kind of judge. And I want to pray that that judge would really visit us today. Could we just pray right now? Father, in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you for this beautiful service. I thank you for all of these wonderful people who've come. Lord, we thank you that your word is eternal and it never gets old. I thank you that your word is fresh and, and new and true and powerful, oh God. Even though it's been since the very beginning, it's the ancient of days, which is you, Lord. And I pray, Father God, that you would use your word First, to give us discerning eyes, discerning ears. And I pray that you would use your word to set certain people in this room free of the condemnation and judgment of this world. So, Father, would you bless, bless this word, bless our time together. Help my feeble lips, Lord. But give us ears to hear and hearts to receive. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen. Praise the Lord. So what we're going to look at now is how is he different? How is Jesus a different kind of, 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 of judge? Well, very quickly, first of all, he doesn't categorize sin like we do, but he does address it. So the Bible says here in the law of Moses, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman what do you say? So they say, look, here's what the law says is that we should stone her. And you know what Jesus says? Jesus says, I don't judge like you do. I'm a different kind of judge. You see, because the truth of the matter is, is that Jesus refused to categorize sin. They were saying, look, she committed sexual, uh, uh, she committed adultery. She's living in sexual immorality and she should be stoned. And Jesus saying, yeah, she's guilty, but guess what? You're all guilty. And I don't judge the way the world judges. The world ju tries to put people uh, down. We, the things that we don't do, we look at someone else and say, that's the worst thing. And the thing that that's someone else that we judge and say, that's a bad thing. They look at the things that we do, then they don't do that. They go, that's the worst thing. How many know Jesus doesn't categorize sin? Here's what Jesus says. He says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We, no one has the right to throw a stone at anyone. No one, no one has the right to throw a stone because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we try to categorize people and categorize wrong things and say, that's the worst thing. But it's all the worst thing. Look at what the Bible says very quickly here. This is really powerful. Proverbs 28, 24 says, anyone who steals from his father and mother and says what's wrong with that is no better than a murderer. You see, the thief and the murderer are the same. Everyone say the same. That's right. 
the thief and the murderer are the same. Look at what the Bible says. Forever who keeps the law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. You see, all of it. And I'm so thankful today that Jesus doesn't judge the way we like to judge. Because that means some of us would be put down and others would not be put down. But how many know Jesus came and he gave his life to wash the sins of the world. He paid the price for all of us. All of us need the forgiveness and the cleansing of Christ. So he doesn't go into that. When people are accusing and pointing fingers, Jesus doesn't get into that because he's a different kind of judge. You see? You might think that you can look down on someone else, or I might think I can look down on someone else, but let me tell you something, we really can't. Amen? All have sinned, every single one of us. And that's why we want anybody to walk through the doors of this church. We don't say, oh, you got to get clean. You got to get perfect. Jesus caught the fish before he cleaned them. And we want everybody to walk through the doors of this church because Jesus has the power to transform them and clean them. He can do it all. Hallelujah. Why do we say hug, hug somebody when they walk in? It's because that's a child of God. You see, I don't care if they're green. We'll work out the, the theology of aliens later. But if they're green and they walk in, we want to hug on them. How many would say amen? You see, instead of judging people and categorizing people, that's not Christian biblical thinking. We remember that Jesus, he's a different kind of judge. Okay, now. He doesn't categorize sin like we do, but he does address it. And I, this message is not about sexual immorality. But since it addresses sexual immorality, I do want to just touch on it for uh, a few moments. So he does address it, and the Bible addresses sexual immorality. And I want to just say there are many things we don't have the time for, but I want to show you something that the Bible says. The Bible says that flee sexual immorality. What is sexual immorality? Okay, it's any act of sex. Oh, by the way, I, I, I said this in the first service, forgive me, but... Today's message is kind of, is a PG message because this is adult content. So, so you have to make a judgment about whether if you have little kids here, you feel okay. I mean, it's clean, but, but this, we're talking about adult stuff here today. Okay. So what is sexual immorality? Sexual immorality is any sexual behavior or act outside of the holy confines of marriage, which is between one man and one woman. I can't believe I have to say one man and one woman. There was just an article that there's some soccer player who's marrying two women right now, and everybody's joking about it, and it's not a joke. Okay, it's really not a joke. But here's what the Bible says. It says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Now, here's what that means. It means that when, when people participate in sexual immorality, they're actually, uh, sin degrades everything. It degrades, it denigrates, it brings down everything. Okay? And so when a person participates in sexual immorality, they're actually bringing themselves down. 
And there are three basic ways that I want to just put this up for you. You can look this up in the Bible. We'll, we'll perhaps preach about it on another day. But let's touch on this very quickly. When we sin against our own bodies, here's what happens. That sin, it actually debilitates our ability to have healthy relationships. So the more people use one another like that in sexual immorality, they can't connect with people the way they ought to. And listen, because of the porn industry, this was on the cover of Time magazine. Now normal guys, normal average guys, they are having problems. And I know this for a fact because we counsel people. Okay, normal average guys can't have normal relations with their wife, their new wife. They can't have normal relations with their new wife because of the impact of pornography. You know why? Because all sexual immorality, it degrades you and it actually debilitates our ability to just have healthy relationships with people. It twists things and warps things. Here's another thing. It destroys our ability to worship. If you look up, we talked about in the life of Solomon. Solomon was favored by God. His name was Jedediah, which meant loved by God. He was chosen by God. Solomon was an amazing man, the, most, the wisest man in the world. But he had this problem. God told him, don't marry foreign women. And he married so many of them. And they turned his heart away from God. And he stopped worshiping God. Something happens when people give themselves to sexual immorality. There's an, an unholy exchange that takes place that when they're supposed to have the holy exchange with God and they're supposed to be able to lift their hands and worship him freely, they can't. And history shows, history shows that people who committed sexual and, and walked in sexual immorality and cultures, they just can't look up to the Lord. And so part of, part of what we have to recognize is that we can't just say, if I, I want to do this, hey, this is 2018 or 19, whatever you want to say, this is 2000 this. Listen, you can say whatever you want, but the truth of the matter is, if you want to live like that, you will not be close to Jesus. You see, it's not that he doesn't want to be close to you. And then here's the last thing. Okay, it weighs us down with secret shame. It weighs us down with secret shame. Let me, I gotta just get this real quickly here. Okay, I need to, what is shame? Shame is a mental state of humiliation due to, due to sin and, the de and departure from the law of God. It creates contempt and derision and humiliation. Lots of people feel they live in humiliation. You see, they feel put down. Now here's what's powerful about this passage of scripture. Okay, Jesus doesn't categorize sin. And if you have fallen and if you do battle, just know this. You are not a second class Christian if you battle with sexual immorality. If you come under the blood of Jesus, whom the sun sets free, is free indeed. He wants to cleanse and renew and wash. Don't allow the devil to shame you. Jesus washes you and cleanses you and forgives you totally. All of it is forgiven. Hallelujah. Do not live in guilt. Do not live in shame. Come under the blood of Jesus. How many would say amen? Thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your grace. <laughs> Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now here's, very quickly, here's what, here's what the gift of sex, here's what the Bible teaches about sexuality. It's a gift. First of all, it's a sacred gift. 
okay? It, uh, some, you know, you can give people lots of gifts, but this gift is a sacred gift. It's a gift that's supposed to be shared between two people. Number two, it is a powerful passion. It's so funny, last service I said, it's a powerful passion. And one of the brothers shouted, amen! <laughs> I was like, okay, let's keep going. But it is a powerful passion. And let me tell you something. If we just let it loose all over the place, it causes incredible hurt, pain, and trouble. You see? It causes great pain, great trouble, great hardship. All right? So it's something that you have to respect. All right? And then number three... It is a holy intimacy between a husband and a wife. And we already declare what the Bible says a husband and a wife is. Okay, we go by the word of God, not by the opinions of men. The Bible says that God be true and all men liars. You know what I say? I say, I believe that Jesus is right. I believe that the word of God is true. We stand on the word of God. How many would say amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes, indeed. We stand on the word of God. We don't say that arrogantly. Because we know that all have sinned and fall short of the glory. We understand that. But we do say this is what we believe. Here's the second thing. Okay, he not only doesn't categorize sin, but he doesn't listen to slander and accusation like we do. On the contrary, he longs to cover it. All right? They were accusing, uh, they, they, used, they, they were using this question as a trap they, uh, uh, to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. So here's what's happened. They're accusing this woman. They're accusing this woman. And they're just going blah, blah, blah. And Jesus is like, look, I'm not even listening to you. I'm just going to start like writing stuff on the floor. You know, I'm not even listening to you, okay? And let me tell you something. Let me tell you, you may hear a lot of voices of slander and criticism from the devil, but Jesus is standing there and saying, I paid the blood. I paid with my own life. And I'm not listening to any of that. And he's saying, Father, don't listen to any of that. I reject, reject the slander of Satan. How many are thankful that even though a thousand people accuse us, Jesus will not accuse us? Hallelujah. Hey, so look, but think about this. You guys, the minute you click on, you walk out of here, you put your, you, you turn on the news, there's some kind of slander or accusation. You see, some kind, somebody new is being slandered and accused and we don't know all the details. You see, we don't know all the details, but Jesus, he doesn't listen like that. He's like, yeah, she's guilty. But guess what? You're guilty too. And whoever is slandering, I got news for you. In their closet, there's plenty of guilt. Whoever's pointing the fingers, whoever's yelling and screaming and shouting, just know in their closet, there's guilt. Okay, that's the reality of life. That's why we all need Jesus. He longs to cover our sin. Listen quickly. How does he judge? I want to try to humanize it so that we'll never forget this. Listen, instead of judging other people, we need to see that his eyes are always fair. His heart is always merciful. His mouth always calls us to higher living. You want to know how Jesus judges you? Just like that. Let's say this together. Ready? His eyes are always fair. 
His heart is always merciful. His mouth always calls us to higher living. Here's what that means very quickly. Number one, when the Lord looks at us, he's always fair. It doesn't matter. A thousand people can be against you. His eyes are. It doesn't matter what, what the crowds say, what Instagram says. His eyes are always fair. And he knows the truth about everybody. You see? When Jesus judges, his eyes are always fair. Because for him, there's no secrets. The Bible says his eyes are like fire. So you could be put in on an act and put someone else down, but his eyes are always fair because he already knows. There's nothing hidden from his sight. And by the way, when you come upon things, it's great for you to know. We have to make decisions and counsel people. We want to be sensitive to God and always say, remember, his eyes are always fair. Secondly, his heart is always merciful. Always merciful. You know, the Bible says that judgment is his strange act and that he delights to show mercy. Do you know Jesus delights, it's his joy to cover your sin and mine. How many are thankful for the merciful Savior today? Could we praise God? What's his heart towards you? Merciful. Hallelujah. No, there's nobody like Jesus. It's nobody like him. You see? Lastly, his mouth always calls us to higher living. We're going to close in a moment or go to the last point. His mouth always calls us to higher living. Here's the thing, though. We can't say, we can't say that, that uh, oh, Jesus loves me. I mean, I can, I can live however I want. I can do drugs. I can sleep around. I can cheat on my wife. I can, I can do whatever I feel like doing. But Jesus is God is love. Doesn't the Bible say God is love? Listen, that's not the right way to think about him. He, when he covers us, he always calls us to higher living. He always, us, he always calls us to righteous living. He always calls us to alignment with his word. Can I get an amen for that? All right? Can I get an amen? The next time you hear someone and they're saying that nonsense, not for nothing, but that's not in the Bible, that's Baba. You can't have everything. You want your cake and eat it too. That's not true. He calls us to, he said to her, go and sin no more. We have to recognize that. And then here's the last thing, very, very important. Also very sobering. Very sobering. Okay. He's a different kind of judge. Okay, he doesn't listen to that slander. But listen, he doesn't dismiss the power of choices, but he does exercise power to reverse our choices. Okay? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir. Go now. Leave. Everyone say leave. Leave your life of sin. He's not dismissing the choices that she made. But here's what he's saying. He's saying, if you turn away from that and you start walking with me, I'll help you. The Bible says, whom the sun sets free is what? Free indeed. The Bible says, where sin does abound, grace does even more abound. He'll give us the grace that we need to live for him and to walk in victory and to be changed and transformed. But here's what, we, he doesn't dismiss the power of choices. Look at what this verse says, okay? In Galatians, the Bible says, do not be deceived. Don't let the world deceive you. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows, okay? A man reaps, if you sow a certain type of seed, you're going to reap a certain type of fruit. 
And that's what is kind of mind-boggling to me. Because in our day and in our culture, I was talking to my wife about this, and my wife said this to me, and I said, you're absolutely right. Listen to this. She, she said, you know, we are like, like the only culture that will protest against the things, the very things that we use to entertain ourselves. Okay? So we entertain ourselves with the things that we fight against and rail against in public. Here, let me give you a quick, just quick, like. So look, we entertain ourselves. We glorify sexual depravity. Okay? And then we have the me, what I'm going to call the Me Too crisis. Can I tell you, I need to give one slight correction to the Me Too movement. You ready what it is? It's not a movement, brothers and sisters. It's a crisis. Okay, the Me Too movement is not a movement. It's actually a crisis. Here's the crisis. When you have men who are the leaders of virtually every industry... Okay, media, uh, cooking, uh, 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 captains of industry, you know, this corporation, politicians. When you have our best and our brightest leaders, okay, the smartest men, when you have guys like that thinking that it's okay to, to assault women sexually and grope them and abuse them and manipulate them just because they're powerful, that's not a movement, that's a crisis. We have a problem, but the thing that we cannot do is we cannot ignore how did they get there. That's the question we need to be asking. asking. How did they get there? Well, look, let me, let me put this up real quick, okay? Shades of gray, 50 shades of gray. 125 million copies sold. Fastest selling paperback in the history of selling paperbacks, okay? So look, so look. Check this out. We think that you can sow the seeds of this filthy garbage into the mind and heart of a 10, 11, 12-year-old. Okay? We think that you can do that into the heart of a 12-year-old, and then when he's 22, 32, 42, 52, 62, he's not going to assault women. Let me tell you, not all seeds take, but some seeds do. So check this out. Check this out. We go to Hooters. We take our 12-year-old sons to Hooters or to the Tilted Kilt, right? And we give them a turkey sandwich and a half-naked woman in front of them. So they think, I'm eating this turkey sandwich and I can take advantage of that woman. The woman is like a sandwich. The sandwich is like a woman. That's what we've done in our culture. Listen, how many would agree a woman is not a sandwich? See, but listen, you can't dismiss this. How about the pornography industry? Don't you think that the Me Too movement should go after the porn industry? Right? Shouldn't we? I remember, I remember being with Tommy. We were on a, in a travel trip. He played travel baseball. And um, uh, it was lunchtime. Doubleheader, played the first game. And then they said, who wants to go to the tilted kilt? Tilted kilt is just like Hooters. Women wear inappropriate stuff. All the boys went. Me and Tommy are standing there like. So then they wrapped up. Okay, we're going to the tilted kilt. And when they went, they were on their way. One of the moms was watching us. And I could tell she was kind of sheepish. She knew 
She knew we were Christians. She was kind of sheepish. She said, are you going with us? I said, oh, we're going to pass, you know, but we'll catch up. We'll be back. And she goes, um, she kind of wanted to say, I'm sorry, you know, but I'm telling you right now, you can rail, you can put out signs, you can scream and shout, okay? We have to look at what we're doing to our little boys. Okay, you don't sow that seed and get a different fruit. We have to take a look at this. You know, and listen, I hear Christians love going to Hooters. That's a big mistake, brothers. That's a big mistake. Don't take your son there. And don't take your daughter there either because that's not a good example for her either. How many would say amen? Judge rightly. Think like the Bible says to think, not like the world says to think. Here, a couple more very quickly. Just, just, to, just to, so we have the glorification of greed and money. And then we're shocked when there's a financial crisis. Okay, so we have movies like The Wolf on Wall Street ends, earns, you know, this is a, we couldn't find anything that was clean. Okay, this is the only image that we found that was clean. Do you know, I know a guy who actually worked for the real Wolf on Wall Street. He went there as a young man. He broke all of the sales records, but he got poisoned by all of this stuff. He became this rich and powerful guy on the basis of, on the basis of illegal trans, transactions. He ended up, he got caught by the feds. He did like six or seven years in prison. He had to pay back $70 million. You see? But we put this on in front of our people, and then when we look back in 2008, all of these fraudulent loans, all of this abuse, all, it's, it's guys from, from the big-time schools, from the Harvards and the Yales and the University of Chicago and Northwestern. It's the smartest guys in the world who are doing this filthy stuff that is destroying our economy and our culture. Why? Because you can't tell them when they're little boys that nothing is wrong. And expect that when they become grown men, they'll know the difference between right and wrong. A little more. We're going to close. Glorification of violence. Where in the world are we getting this shooting all of these people from? Check this game out. You see this game right here? This game has broken every record for video games. It's all about violence and crime and every kind of wicked, evil thing. Okay? So, this is what our boys are playing. You know? You know, when I was a kid and I almost close, I, re I remember we went to see one of those um, kung fu click, click, uh, flicks. About a, it was about eight guys, we all went. I was eight years old, nine years old. And uh, I really liked this one. You know, they had the voices lined up, everything, you know. And uh, so, um, so the, I remember the scene was that the guy used a stick to be a powerful fighter. He used a stick, like a tall stick. He was just awesome. And the next day after it, I'm running down the block with this big, tall stick, you know, and because uh, I wanted to be a kung fu guy like that guy and the other guys, everybody has sticks because that's what we saw. Do you know that's what boys do? Do you know people reproduce whatever you put in front of them? 
you know. Boys need heroes. If you put the wrong kind of hero in front of them, they're going to become the wrong kind of villains. If you tell them that a hero is a villain and a villain is a hero. So we're living in a day we're praying for our cops. We're living in a day that people, they're so disrespectful of our police officers. And they glorify violence and sin and criminality. We root for the bad guy more in movies than we do for the good guys. But listen, you reap what you sow. So this, is, this country is getting what it actually glorifies. How many know, I, one of the brothers said this, we don't need 50 shades of gray. We need one shade of red. It's the blood of Jesus to wash us and cleanse us. How many would say amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. Here's the last thing I'm going to close in a moment. Just the whole mass drug op opioid crisis, this mass incarceration and drugs, where does this come from? Well, I want to put this up for you. I didn't even know Chief Keefe. How many people know Chief Keefe? Could I see your hands nice and high? Chief Keefe, not too many. I didn't even know about Chief Keefe, so I'm not going to play like I'm up on this. But my son, when, I, when, I, when he saw the slide before we got here, he was like, Dad, I'm so glad you put that up for the sake of my kids. Chief Keefe is a local rapper, Chicago rapper, who um, glorifies violence and all kinds of things. And he was in a rival kind of battle with another rapper gang and he said he was going to kill him and then the guy was killed and as soon as he was killed a song came out and it had all of the details and Chicago was actually trying to prosecute him because of the lyrics of the song the the detail if I understand it correctly because of the details of the song and the the irony is 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 my son Tommy has a friend who lives in Northbrook and uh, um, I think it's Northbrook. And Chief Keith is his neighbor. So Chief Keith's kids are going to a nice school, probably, in Northbrook. But he's glorifying what's happening in the less fortunate. And he's taking the little boys, the little boys. He's taking the little boys and telling them how good violence is and all that. And he's taking their money. Okay? I just found out, I didn't know this, that, that Mayor Rahm said, we don't want any concert by Chief Keefe in, uh, in Chicago. He just kind of blocked him, and they blocked him in Indiana. And you say freedom of press. Well, let me tell you something. We don't need that press, and we don't need that speech. How many would say amen? So listen, here's what the Bible says. Remember, he doesn't dismiss the power of our choices, but he does exercise the power to reverse them. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Listen, the law was brought in so that trespass might increase. But let's read this together. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. One more time. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Here's what it means. It means no matter where you've been, this is the beauty and glory of Jesus Christ. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, if you will surrender your life to Christ, his grace, grace is God doing for us what we can't do for ourselves. His grace can overpower and overshadow all of our bad and ugly works, and he can transform us into new creations through salvation. And hallelujah, he can free us and transform us and change us for his glory. How many of we don't have to live in guilt? We don't have to live in shame. The grace of God has appeared unto all men, the Bible says, 
is teaching us to say no to ungodliness and to live the way we're called to live until Jesus comes back. How many are thankful today for the grace of God? Blessed be the name of the Lord. So I leave you with this. His eyes are always fair. His heart is always merciful. And his mouth always calls us to higher living. Could we say that one more time? I think it just sounds beautiful. Ready? His eyes are always fair. His heart is always merciful. His mouth always calls us to higher living. I want to pray right now. We've gone a little long. But I want to pray, and here's what I want to pray. That not one person would leave here with shame. Shame doesn't come from Jesus. Jesus died to remove all shame. He died to wash away the guilt. If we confess our sins, okay, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not some unrighteousness, all unrighteousness. That means everything, every aspect, every detail of what we got involved in that is shameful to us right now in the here and now. Jesus wants to wash it and cleanse it and liberate us so we can walk out of here singing the glory of God and singing the praises of God because we've been cleansed and forgiven. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. Let's lift our hands to him. We don't have a lot of time, but I want to pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, remove all the guilt, remove all the shame. Anyone who has secret shame, oh God. Father, we plead the blood of Jesus over this room, oh God. Pour your blood out, oh God. Pour your blood out right now, oh God. Your blood is able to remove the guilt, to remove the shame, oh God. God, no one is a second-class citizen in your body. We are all your children. And we receive that freedom. We receive that cleansing by your mighty power. Cleanse, cleanse, cleanse. And God, give us, oh God, hearts just like you, Lord. Help us not to judge, but help us to lift up and help and encourage, oh God. Lord, we thank you that your eyes are always fair and your heart is always merciful and your mouth always calls us to higher living. Make us like you when we leave this place. Thank you, God, for speaking to us and transforming us by your mighty power. God, may your people walk in freedom. May they walk in joy. May they walk in victory. And may they be a powerful light for your glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, could we praise him? Come on, let's put our hands together and bless him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Come on, turn and greet one another before you go. God bless you. We hope to see you on Tuesday.